0: Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week we take a look at the work of the church in progress, focusing on what it means to belong to each other. The sermon comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Hey,
1: you know those questions that we answered over there, parents and congregation. That's part of the fulfillment of that. That's part of what that means when we say we're going to create a place that's safe and vital where faith is caught as well as taught. That's part of that promise. That's part of what it means to be that kind of place. That's the embodiment so that those aren't just questions on a page, but part of how we live. Same with our youth and our youth mission trip as we'll get to embody that next week and just want to make sure we know those connections because today today what I want to be able to say is that we belong to each other it's part of a larger passage and I'm going to read it later i decided to put the actual full passage later in the sermon because sometimes when we read this passage out of romans 12 it gets buried in all the other things good stuff but if we miss this we miss the whole point we belong to each other. And, and the New Testament practically talks till it's blue in the face, trying to get people to understand that in all the different ways that that makes sense. It, it talks about the vine and the branches, one way of talking about unity. And Peter will talk about, we are like a building, we're like a temple, and we are each stones in this, and we need each other. John keeps talking about being one. And then Paul's famous metaphor again and again we're like the body of Christ individually we we are parts of it we need each other we belong to each other and when we when we do a baptism we are saying we belong to each other when we <coughs> sacrifice and give ourselves for our kids and our youth we belong to each other when we do this great work we're going to be doing later with the ordination and installation of officers we belong to each other It is the great and critical need. It is the great and critical proclamation of the gospel. After the phrase that Jesus is Lord, there is perhaps no phrase that is more important that follows, and we belong to each other. Because Jesus is Lord, we belong to each other. We belong to each other. How do we live that out? Jesus is our Lord, and those two things have to go together. They have to go together. In the early church when paul was writing and as he was writing this to the romans the tensions of living this out were not easy these were not just easy phrases that people put on their bumper stickers of their chariots this had to do with how do you live this out because in rome alone there was so much tension between the jewish community that was there and the burgeoning christian community very very soon or right around this same time, the emperor got so sick of them, he banished both of them from Rome. There was so much rioting and so much unrest. There was so much inability to live with one another. And if you read the book of Romans and you'll see how he's addressing both groups together. And then he comes to this crescendo, we belong to each other. So this is more than just about being church, and I've given plenty of sermons on this passage and on this topic, and it makes sense to do that in the church. But today I wanna say it goes far beyond that. It goes far beyond the internecine fights within a church and denominations and religions. We belong to one another and to each other is also one of the critical needs and the great truths of our world. We've just gone through a pandemic, we're still going through it. If there were no other illustration, we wouldn't need anything else to remind us that what happens in one part of the world affects each other, we belong to each other. And whether it is in one country to the next, how we travel, the supply chain that gets interrupted, how this affects our economy, a recession over here, Shortages over there, war over here, and it affects everyone. We belong to each other is not just something for churches. It is a reminder that if we're going to survive in this world, let alone thrive as humanity, we better get our arms around this great truth. This is one of the great laws of the universe whether it's the ecology and how we interconnect inter- with our, our, the creation, the world that we live in, whether it is with how we live out our lives and in politics, whether it is how we treat and deal with issues of hunger in one part of the world or over here, we better get our hearts or, and heads around this. We belong to each other and now what do we do? Which brings us back to the church. Because sometimes we think of the church as its own entity. We think of its own place as sort of a citadel, sort of a bastion, or even worse, sort of an escape from the rest of the world. When, in fact, I think the best metaphor is always, always that we belong to each other. This isn't something new. The Celtic church, uh, the church, uh, the, the ancient church for which we've taken so much, including the, the knotwork of our table or our cross, It is a reminder, the knot that has no beginning, no end, that we belong to God in Christ and then we belong to each other. These are the marching orders. Without that, we aren't much of a church. We are more than just people who share a common creed or orthodoxy. If it isn't also a way of life, then it it all goes pretty vacant. Having said that, Having said that, we understand that the church is not always the best place. We talk about the church as a research and development lab. At least that's the phrase that makes the most sense to me. That this is the place not meant to set off and somehow keep ourselves safe and secure and insulated from the rest of the world. But this and what we do here, what we do here, what we do with our youth, what we do at our table, what we do in worship is meant to help and shape our lives so that as we go out... Whatever God wants to do in the world, God always tries to do first with a group of people. And so we practice and we work at what does it mean? How do we live that out that we belong to each other? Even if we don't like each other. Anybody in church today with someone they don't like? You don't have to point, but... We're glad that you're not in the same church with somebody else today. Doesn't matter. We belong to each other. Even with the people we not only like, but the people we don't like. The people we're we're offended by. The people who are offended by us. We belong to each other. Oh my goodness, wouldn't it be amazing if we get to live that out? What kind of difference would it make? And of course. We don't always do that. We break up, we fight, we split, we do all kinds of terrible things. We exclude people, we shame people. We have a terrible history in the church. And so sometimes people would say, well, that's the last place I would expect anything constructive to come. And it reminded me, it could be, we could just shut the door and go, well, that didn't work. It reminded me of another research and development lab, the, the one formed by Thomas Edison. One of the first people to form such a place. And when somebody asked him as he was working on the light bulb, he failed over a thousand times. And his famous response is, I didn't fail. This one says 10,000 times. I just found 10,000 ways that it won't work. I just found the 10,000 steps that are necessary to get to what I know we're going to eventually and what he did get to. Because that's what it means to be the church. If we're research and development, if we are practicing that we're going to fail and we have failed, rather than close the doors or rather than pretend that doesn't happen, the worst thing we can do is stop trying. So I got thinking about, so what are the things that we have learned? What are the things that we can carry forward here? How is it that we learn to live with each other? And there's a couple of ways that we have found that we know don't work. We found them in the community and in Around us, the culture, and we found them within the church itself. And the first one is we have learned that what does not work is to somehow insist on this uniformity as opposed to unity. Unity is that we are all together. Uniformity is that we're all the same. Boy, that's a subtle difference, but it makes all the difference in the world. And whether it is an autocratic power structure that keeps people in line, or whether we do it with shame and guilt in culture, somehow the message gets to, and we know this doesn't work, it's either get in line or get out. And we do it with our creeds, and we do it with our programs, and we do it with our sacraments, and we do it so many times in so many ways, that, <clears throat> and so much hurt when we exclude We keep trying to create a place. We don't know what to do with all the differences around us. And so, so many times through the last thousands of years of humanity and in the church, you can't even sometimes, not just disagree, you can't even ask questions. Anybody been in a place like that where even your questions threatened the the peace of of the community and you were tolerated for a little while and then you were invited to go find somewhere else? Or maybe, maybe it was because you didn't dress right. You didn't sing right. You didn't sing the right things. You believed the wrong things. You were wrong, long political party. You had the wrong views of the Bible. You didn't look the part. That old story that, story that I heard as a child, and it still is true, of the man who is outside on the, the church uh, and on the curb of the church and he's crying and Jesus comes up to him and says, friend, what's wrong? And he says, oh Jesus, he says, it's so hard. I, they threw me out. I didn't fit, they, I, I, I wasn't dressed right and I, I wasn't clean enough and I didn't know the, the right things to do at the right time. And uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. They, they threw me out of the church. And Jesus sits down with him, puts his arm around him and says, oh, that's all right. They threw me out years ago. because that's what happens when we do that. We can have peace and we can have uniformity, but we don't get to have the Christ who is trying to put this world together to bless it again. When we do that, we become a foreign place to the very mission and the heart of God. Not even Jesus is allowed because Jesus himself was rejected and crucified. The other, the other part of that then, the other part is that what the church did early on and what this passage that we're going to hear in a moment is going to reiterate that rather than uniformity at all costs, then we begin to celebrate diversity. We're not scared of it. More than that, there is a certain dignity that belongs to every person. And that is in every person in ways that 2,000 years later, it is hard to imagine what that meant. Because to those days, the people who were closest to God, the people who could speak to God, were the people of wealth and power. And then it kind of worked down the hierarchy. And by the time you got down to the regular folks, by the time you got down to women, by the time you got down to the ethnic groups that were around that didn't belong, that weren't in the in-group, they amounted to nothing. And in the early church, one of the most amazing things they did says, no, you have a place. We need everyone. Every one of you bears the dignity of Christ. Every one of you bears the image of God. Every one of us belongs. And so Paul at one point said, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek, male or female, free or slave, on and on. It doesn't matter. We are all one. There is, it is not the diversity that scares us. We celebrate that. We think that God's involved in that. We think in that dignity and in that diversity, then we therefore develop those things. We don't put the lid on it. What's your gift? What's your passion? Is it to serve? Then you should serve. Is it mercy? Then show mercy and do it with joy. Teach, teach. Give, give. Encourage, then you do your encouraging. And there's whole lists in the Bible, in the New Testament. Some people have tried to get literal that there's only this many and uh, just, it always fails as literalism does. It's meant to just illustrate all these different things. What is the gift? What is the passion that is in you? There's a place for it. There is a need for it. And not only for that need, but for how that fits in to the whole. We belong to each other. If this hyper kind of of, unification and just over here, if everything's uniform is one problem we know that doesn't work. We also know on the other hand that this hyper individualism that casts off any responsibility or or any care for anybody else. Probably in ways today that 2,000 years ago would have been hard to imagine. That the individualism has risen to the point that it has become an end in itself. And so Paul is able to say, still even then, you are important, but you're not all important. You're not an end to yourself. You are a part of a larger thing, so, so you offer yourself to the sake of the community for what God is doing. You offer your gifts because it matters. You don't sit on it. You're not self-contained. You have to do all of this because this is what it means. This is how we have learned what doesn't work as well as what does. When we bring, do those things, when we do those things, then we begin to live into what does it mean that we belong to each other. So here's where I want to pause and we're going to listen to the scripture reading. And as we do, there's two questions that will proceed, and it's this question to reflect on. When have you received the gifts and the blessings of someone who offered their gifts and you were blessed by it? As a child? As an adult? As we know, as we know, we, <laughs> we gather the shade of trees that we didn't plant. We drink from wells we didn't dig. We are warmed by fires that we didn't build. Who are the people who did give and gave and blessed? And so you are a recipient of that. And then as you're thinking about that, the second question is this, where have you been able to give your gifts in such a way that they mattered? Large, small, doesn't matter. Every day, giant, once in a while, it doesn't matter. Where have you been able and found the joy of being able to give out of something in your life and it blessed others? And as you're thinking, then listen to these words from Romans 12.
0: Many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. In the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ, and individually we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, you should prophesy In proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should do so with joy. Love sincerely, reject evil, and hold on to what is good. Love with genuine affection and delight in honoring each other.
1: We belong to each other. That's more than a bumper sticker. It's more than just something we talk about on Sunday morning. We believe that it is critical to what God is trying to do throughout the entire world. It is more than what we do at church, but it is no less. Even as we consider how it is that we offer our individual gifts, it is also good to remember that we are. How do we live this out here? And one of the ways that churches always show who they are is with is with how they deal with leadership, because leadership deals with power. How do we grant access and and demand accountability to make things happen? In our particular tr- tradition, we have a our own way. It's not the only way, not maybe the best way, but it's our way, and it's it's how we try to live that out. It's how we try and do, and we've gone through a lot of light bulb experiments to try to figure this out and things that didn't work and things that do and we've come to this point because we think we think that if we're going to have people who can help us live into this great truth then there's some things that have to be true about them as well one is that they they should have and their gifts should be celebrated and it's for all It's not just for an elite few. It's just not those who have been in the church for a number of years and accomplished so many things. It's not for those who have in the traditional roles of power that when we ordain elders and deacons, we we spread out and we let the congregation choose. These are not chosen by ministers or other elite type, quote-unquote, people who, who say these are the right people to do. We allow this to come out of the congregation. You've already voted on these people and now this is their response back. It is for all, and it is real power. It is real power. This church is designed and runs on, on the decisions of our session. It, it runs and, and flourishes under the, the compassion and mercy of our deacons. I always am surprised when someone, I forget that this is different when people come to our church or somebody comes out of the community and says they want me to be a part of something and can we get your church to do this? And sometimes it's a good idea. And I will say, sure, I will take that to bring that to session. And they go, yeah, but you're the minister, right? And I go, yes. And I get one vote. It's an important role, but it is not all powerful that we share this power together. We are accountable to it together. And the promises that we would make, ask people to make in response to the, the voice of God through the, the, the congregation have to do with things like, are you grounded in what the mission of Christ is? And so the very first question that you will hear in a moment is whether or not Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the exact same question that we ask when people join the church and affirm when they bring their children for baptism. It is the grounding, it's the North Star Jesus is Lord. And then the rest of it is, and how are we going to live this out? How will we do this as a congregation together? Will you give yourself in service? Will you give yourself to the love and justice, of Jesus? Will those be the North Stars? Will those be the guiding principles? More than any program, tradition, orthodoxy, or creed, <clears throat> these are the things that draw us. Everything else is guidance. And once we have that grounded, once we have that grounded, I love the question and everybody typically likes this question best at the end. And now that individual expression of who you are, will you give your energy and your intelligence and your imagination and your love to this task? Because we're not there yet. This isn't about maintaining what has always been. This is about continuing that journey that's not finished. As Jordan has set this theme around, we are under construction. We are still under construction. And we're going to have to go places that no one has gone before. And that's why it takes energy and intelligence and imagination and love. It's not a matter of just going back. It's not a matter of fighting over the things that we used to. It's moving forward. What is that going to look like here? How will we do life here? How will we make that accessible here? How will we Invite people here so that this indeed becomes a place where we embody what it means. We belong to each other.
0: Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.